the mics are on and off we go. Hi guys, my name is Winnie and welcome to the World Spin Podcast, the home of Formula One content and everything motorsport. Formula One is back, it really is back and so are we. We are now done with the first round of the Formula One 2024 season, the Bahrain Grand Prix, the first of 24 races to come. So now we are down to 23. The Bahrain Grand Prix, um, honestly, there's so many things to, you know, to debrief, so many things to talk about, so many talking points, but I think we need to be strapped in for quite the ride of 2024. If you've not master the Dutch anthem. If you're starting to watch Formula One this season, that is something that you will, at the, I promise, at the end of the season, you will know the Dutch anthem. You, you will hear it. Someone be like, I know what that is. It's going to be synonymous with Formula One if, if the first round is anything to go by. So the weekend, of course, this time was um, started on Thursday, Friday to Saturday. This is because, by the way, I think we I did an explain us more like graphic on our page, on our Instagram page. So the holy month, the Islamic holy month, Ramadan, starts on 10th March. 10th March was the slaughtered day for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, which we are headed to this coming weekend. But then now, since they could not hold a race on the start of Ramadan, they pushed that Grand Prix to Saturday, the 9th of March. Now, that's the date that the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix is going to take place. Now, on normal times, the Bahrain Grand Prix would have started and would have held it on a Sunday instead of a Saturday. But then now, FIA dictates that there is a break of seven days between one Grand Prix to another. That means we needed to have seven days between the Bahrain Grand Prix and the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And that is why the Bahrain Grand Prix was actually held on a Saturday, so we, I mean, testing was around this circuit again. So, I mean, we were coming into this race with some news from testing. I mean, um, from testing, we thought some teams, you know, had, um, I mean, Mercedes, for example, they seemed to have a car design that's similar to, you know, the ones on the grid. They are now not, like, trying anything out of the box. Like, for example, say the last two years when they've come with a design that's very far from the rest of the grid. So at least this time they looked like they, they were promising testing. Lewis Hamilton was actually even like very, very fast during testing as well. We, we, we were really, oh my, we we're still like Mercedes fans were really like confident like that, that it's looking very good for them. Ferrari came, topped like a testing session as well with, was it Carlos? Yeah, Carlos Sainz as well. So yeah, testing had promised a bit of, you know, the grid looked very, you know, very close, um, apart from the Red Bulls, which looked to have, like, much faster, much faster race pace. Anyway, testing doesn't matter. Now we went into the Grand Prix weekend, where now it's, yeah, now let's get to see. Now let's come up, let's see the pecking order. Let's see how fast the teams are. Weekend was off to a good start. Practice sessions, FP1, which is not very indicative of the race conditions. FP2 in Bahrain is mostly very telling of what to expect because then this, the conditions in FP2 are more similar to the race conditions and the qualifying conditions, seeing as the, you know, the, the qualifying takes place in the evening and the race happens in the evening and FP2 also takes place in the evening. FP1 is very late in the afternoon and FP3 as well, like 
in the afternoon. So FB2 is the most indicative session for the Bahrain, you know, weekend especially. So we went into qualifying. Qualifying was, um, I mean, that's why we, we get to see, oh my God, uh-huh. So let's see if the designs are working. Let's see if the calculations, the data gathered by the teams is, you know, are they moving forward? I mean, the, my biggest takeaway from, um, from qualifying, let me see my talking points from qualifying was, oh my God, who can bag, who can bag? Um, Nico Halkenberg put in a cracker of a lab to get himself into Q3 in that house. I dare say they're they're not looking so bad. Like they didn't start like you know they were not star class. That was so Alpine. Um, yeah, Haas might have something. I feel like they might be progressing somewhere with now with the departure of Gunther Steiner from the helm as team principal. Now they have their new more technical team principal Ayao Komatsu, who was like former director of engineering, still at Haas. So that's just a good. Um, a good place for them to start a cracker overlap from Halkenberg. It was really nice to watch it. He really, you know, excellent car placements through those corners and turns. Beautiful, beautiful lap. I think the other thing that um, was also crazy to watch is that Charles Leclerc, of course, we always know Ferrari. Ferrari are excellent, excellent with their one lap pace. It's, it's amazing how they, honestly, I feel like we have, and Charles Leclerc is one of the best best um qualifiers we have i dare say he's the best on the grid in fact he's a very good qualifier and the time he put in in q2 the fastest time in q2 by charles leclerc was actually a faster time than the one that was that took full that max verstappen placed on the on the t on the time sheets and took full yeah that was like yeah i feel like they could have done something in um in Q3, the Q3 session of qualifying, they, 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 there was a bit of discontent, disc, uh, disconnect, a bit of disconnected Ferrari. I feel like they had it all out to play. And even Charles Leclerc for once was actually disappointed to be P2 because they knew they had something. And even Max pull up was actually also good. And also like he had very good tool as in on that lap. I mean, anyways, like excellent um, um, lap from him. You know, the, in Formula One, there's so many. You can have a fast car, but you also need some elements to work in your favor as well. You can be very lucky. You know, there's um, there's also like in qualifying, there's the advantage of having the whole track to yourself, and there's also the advantage. There's also some luck or some element of you can become faster, like help your lap time by having a car that's on track, but not like maybe for example on um that's on track will help you you know it's breaking through the air so it's reducing uh, the resistance of your car so in that sense that's what worked for Max Verstappen yeah anyway that was qualifying um the other the other the other surprise was Lewis Hamilton really um I was really worried personally like when oh uh, oh my god struggling it was a mess it, the qualifying and then now that after qualifying he said um you know, he looked very competitive um, in, you know, the quality setup from, you know, FB2, yes. So we thought the same would translate to qualifying. But then now, I think uh, post-quali interviews, that's when Lewis came out and said he'd opted to change his car setup. Oh, my God, he does. They do this so many times. So he up and he, he's, he's like an octopus on his, you know, controls. He needs to change this. Like, can we try this out? Excellent to watch. So, um... 
but also can we say Louis Hamilton is moving like a man who's rendered in his res- resignation letter <laughs> i think he's fully embodying this whole vibe of his because this whole weekend he is he has been so unserious like in the comments he's giving with the faces he's making his comments he is a whole cartoon he, he has he honestly he he is he's hilarious he he has been hilarious this weekend um yeah so he came out after qualifying saying he preferred to you know the team you know george went right he went left george had a very good i mean qualified p3 very good for mercedes um and then louis hamilton said he preferred to you know set up his car well for you know for the race so we were probably i mean i was positive um yes now we got this let's go into the race you know Anyway, those are like good takeaways from qualifying. Now we went into the race Sunday. Um, the race honestly was a oh my god! I do not know if this is going to be Formula One the rest of this year. Max Verstappen finished a, um, ahead of his teammate, almost a pit stop ahead of his teammate. Guys, like that is crazy. That Max could have pitted and still come out first. Like it's crazy the gap. This I I I barely saw Max Verstappen during the race because that is just how first he was. He was running in a league of his own. You know he was playing his own game. Like how good is this RB twenty? Like, I mean he got his fifth. Is it the fifth um Grand Slam of the of of his career? I think now Grand Slam means he led every lap of the race. He won. He took pole on, on Friday for this for this weekend. He took the fastest lap and of course won the race. Like that's his fifth Grand Slam. He also, I mean, that's a Grand Slam. A Grand Slam in Formula One is where you lead every every lap of the of the race. You take the fastest. Um, you you get the fastest lap of the race. You took pole and you win the Grand Prix. Yeah, so that's like a Grand Slam. And he also there's also something else called a hat trick. Which he got. So if you get a Grand Slam, you definitely have have a hat trick. A hat trick is where you take pole, you have the fastest lap on the, of the race, and you win the race. So that's a hat trick. So I feel like Max is really set, poised to break more records this um this year. This was, I think, his thirty third pole position. I think, and I I think he's going to break more. <laughs> I dare even say the 24, 23 remaining races. He might take them. All of them, if any, if, if the data we got today or like the show of might, you know, shown and fronted by Red Bull is anything to go by. So, but also like, you know, it's one thing to have a very fast guy. It's another thing to, for elements to align for you. You're lucky, no issues, reliability is good. Um, I feel like, yeah, this is an advantage locked in for years. And also, can we talk about the concept design for, um, for the Red Bull? So, of course, they do not have the zero pod zero sideboard concept like they still have the, the sideboards but i it's been reported and i mean i think it's also official that they are going like as the season progresses they're going to move more aggressively towards you know moving towards that zero port zero sideboard concept and design which adrian newey the chief is it he's a designer and engineer like um at the genius behind the rp19 rb20 um car at red bull so i and i think they seem to have figured the sweet spot of their car so i feel like they will even continue to be more and more and more competitive so if you do not like the dutch anthem make sure you're not watching you know the 
the the the podium celebrations um there were a number of issues during the race um Charles Leclerc had some brake issues like across across uh, all through during the race um Russell himself had some issues I thought Lewis would progress more but yeah he also I think there was a bit of he had so many issues like Lewis I mean like tell me how bad it, it like how bad it got that his seat broke so apparently he was driving with part of his like one one of his butt cheeks outside <laughs> outside the seat like that's crazy like his seat broke I think in the middle so one of his butt was like yeah strapped in very nicely the other one was free like in the air that's crazy I don't know <laughs> I don't know like uh, like if one cassettes could break like that has to be very disconcert di- disconcerting like it has to be very uncomfortable <laughs> very uncomfortable when you to, you know to think about it and also there's a t- part of, during the Grand Prix he was complaining about um him lacking you know no battery at all at all so I didn't look very it didn't look like a very straightforward race for Mercedes <laughs> for Mercedes the um the undercut was working in Bahrain the undercut means you are pitting for fresher rubber to overtake the person in front of you and I think it did work out for a few of the drivers yeah so the other moment you need to come out is Ferrari like Sainz is driving like a man without a job yeah he's out of he's out of a seat this season he's at the end of the season so he he's not yet he has no seat for next year so we it's like we're getting another Checo Perez um Checo Perez 2.0 but it's not Checo Perez you guys remember how Checo Perez was driving in Racing Point when he didn't have a car for, for when he didn't have a car seat for the 2020 was it 2021 season yeah so so he's driving like that, and he, um, Carlos Sainz, Carlos Sainz is taking no prisoners. He overtook. You know the thing I keep on saying about Ferrari. I love Ferrari because Ferrari absolutely will have no team orders on their drivers. It's it was giving Monza last Monza twenty twenty three. Remember, like they will go for it. They will try to drive each other off the track, but the team will not inter- intervene in any way. You race it out on track. I love it. It's action that we love to see. Carlos Sainz got past Charles Leclerc on track. Beautiful, beautiful moves. He overtook um, Russell as well on track. And then even after doing all that work, the Ferrari strategy seemed to lean more towards Charles Leclerc, who was very unlucky with his brake issues. Um, and the undercut worked. And he came out again ahead of Carlos Sainz. And Carlos Sainz again overtook him again like it was i'm telling you um carlos Sainz has entered his villain era and he is taking no prisoners and we love to see it he's driving like he's driving to survive he is driving to survive literally he's driving for a casket which i'm so definitely sure he will get for next year but brilliant brilliant racing for he from him um on the on the race day in the on this in this during the season opener um russell was also nursing some i think now the car design for mercedes i think aerodynamically i don't know it looks efficient looks nice and everything but then now apparently mercedes are having some power unit issues i don't that's not a problem they've had in a minute so he had some cooling so he had to do some a bit of management leaps and cools so he had to do a bit of management so um yeah that was an interesting thing to watch um um, Ferrari in, in Charles Leclerc having some issues and George Russell having some issues in his Mercedes with his 
power unit problems. Um, I'm hoping that's not something we'll see as the season progresses because that's very detrimental. Um, it was also, but generally, I think it was just a quiet race because it was just, oh my God, let's watch out for action. Oh, in P10, P13, P12. Um, it's just, it's become so boring. <laughs> I dare say boring because now where is the whole excitement? But if we take away, Max Verstappen can be driving his own Grand Prix and then now we can have the rest of the, the rest of the group now, you know, you know, race against each other. Um, Saints, um, the strategy for, I think the most successful, I mean, the fastest strategy, strategy on paper is what the teams all went by, which is mounting the soft, then a two-stop, uh, basically. So you mount your soft, then go hard, hard. Um, I think this weekend, um, um, Red Bull had the advantage. Okay, first of all, they were on a back foot. They didn't have a new set. Everyone else had a new set of hards, like two sets. Red Bull only had one. But the other advantage was that the soft they had new soft tires for the Red Bull drivers. So, and the red and the soft tire actually was like a very good race tire because Pirelli brought the C1, C2, C3. That's the on the hardest compound of tires. I think we'll see them the tires for this coming weekend, coming race weekend for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Pirelli will go a soft, a compound softer. So we'll see a bit more. The, the soft compound will be softer, the hard will be softer as well. <laughs> so that's just all a game of, you know, strategy. It's just um, all tire play. And if you want to keep up with this every weekend, we always put a post before the race where we tell you how many sets of tires the drivers have, what the what's the quickest strategies. And in the same breath, we give, I give you the, my predictions for the race. So if you want to check that out, I post on the on Instagram and also on all our social media handles. I post on Instagram, on our TikTok, and and on a tweet as well at the Will Spin Podcast. Um, so you can always watch out for that every race weekend. Um, the other like I think takeaway I loved uh, Zhou Guanyu was also having a very a very good um race. I mean he was um. He was on a different strategy than everyone else. He opted to go long. He pitted Ali, so that means he went long with his with his tires. But I he finished P is it P eleven, so he finished outside the points. But like that was gr good effort. I'm oh my god! Can we talk about Bottas again? It was Bottas. I mean, I I I love Bottas. I mean, we've seen a fair share of his ass everywhere. But I do like Bottas. Bottas is so unfair fortunate very very unfortunate with his pit stops you know drawing from his in monaco in 2021 that's still the record for the longest pit stop in formula one i think it lasted over 43 hours when a will not could not come out of the tire so much in monaco in 2021 he was having such a good race with mercedes in 2021 and then he was actually second he was running second and um behind just behind max Max Verstappen, and he had to retire from the race because the world that could not come out, and it did not come out for over two days, almost two days. That pit stop lasted for 43, 43 hours, and th that's crazy. And I, I am so sure it was like very, very bad trauma for him to relieve during the Bahrain Grand Prix. Now under Sauber, he's driving for Sauber. They are green car, which is a hard, which is very hard to miss out on track, and he's pit stop again a will not problem so his pit stop lasted almost a minute 52 seconds that's a lot and i can imagine his ass he does not deserve this anyway um 
Silver are looking quite, I mean, they're at least not very much on a back foot. I think they'll keep learning and, you know, keep progressing forward. The Astrons also, they might not very good be very good with pace, but at least, I mean, they are like, they did, they both cars, um, Alonso finished, I think it was P P9, and, um, and, and what is his name? Lance Stroll. Ah, yeah, can we, t you know, I didn't, you know, people keep on saying, oh, they need, uh, we need actual F1 drive, you know, people driving for talent, ha, ha, ha. I don't think, if you watch Drive to Survive, I watched it the season six like the first episode it was i didn't you know sometimes you know people you know when we reduce this net worth like when you see someone is a billionaire you know a billionaire is just one word you really miss out on the whole extent of how much money this is and it's crazy i watched that like first episode where papa stroll like loves his son and there's no way he's not going to give his son like that seat to drive in aston martin so if you're holding your breath thinking stroll is going off formula one when his dad still owns like a very huge stake in aston martin you are you 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 should just you're deluded and please yeah just get get with the get with the agenda get with the with the program you are going to see a lot more stroll so p9 p10 for aston martin Maybe probably they were, you know, there was also like, a, I, there, was, there was another battle that was reminiscent of Bahrain last year when Alonso was totally like, you know, trying to get past Lewis Hamilton, you know, that whole good battle. And he did end up getting past um, Lewis Hamilton and taking a podium position from last year. You know, Alonso fighting for like a podium last year. This time it was like now Mercedes getting past the, the, the Aston Martin of Alonso. I do not. I hope they do get better, but I mean they did finish in the point, so that's you know good for them. The McLarens, you know, P six for Lando Norris, P eight for Oscar Piastri, who is no longer a rookie, had a very good rookie season last last year. Um, Lando, um, Lando almost caught Russell as well. Had there been more laps, he could have done maybe something. It was like promising to be a very good end of race if we extend the number of laps you know that's not the other side if you if you need to do the action you need to do it when you have time even lois was catching lando lando was catching russell you know um so just no one was catching mask max so i think the other big the other, the other biggest takeaway from um from this race was of course let's talk about the racing visa cash up they say the vcap visa cash up Okay, v people are even calling them carbohydrates or something. V okay, guys, formerly Alpha Tauri, the drivers. So there was that whole... I mean, of course, Yuki outqualified his teammate, Daniel Ricciardo. Now, this is going to get very personal. I'm going to give, like, I do not... I don't think whatever happened during the race was really fair. Two words, Yuki Tsunoda. I'd also get my... Like, uh, first of all, he cleared Ricciardo in qualifying, qualified in ahead of him was delivering good good race pace you know i mean we expected them to be higher honestly um you know we keep saying that's a whole other dynamic like for is a team allowed to you know is a company allowed to own two teams on the grid like red bull and now the the junior their junior team the v cubs <laughs> still formerly alpha tauri guys um so they everyone thought they would bring like a replica of the rb19 from last year but like i mean it's disappointing they're not as fast as we thought they would be fast as as fast as we thought they would be 
but then now, yes, let's just go back to the Yuki issue. So Yuki was, you know, out-qualified Daniel Ricardo was running very nicely. But then I do know, I mean, they have their own reasons why they decide to give him a very shitty strategy. They give Daniel Ricardo, you know, they just, it's like they're babying him. It feels like a well-oiled PR, you know, machine. You know, Daniel Ricardo keep on, keep, keeps on saying he's driving, you know, he wants that second seat of Red Bull. And I don't think he's going to get it. He, he's... I know people love Daniel, but like um, he's had very, very bad calculated, miscalculated moves in Formula One. You know, leaving Red Bull because he didn't want to become to play second fiddle to anyone. And you will always play second fiddle to someone in Formula One, no matter what we say. Oh, we are equal. No, there is a lead driver and a support driver. Okay, you know, as as long as you're both going on track, you fight that. But at the end of the day, there's still that person who will get preference and everything. He could be, he could have been now, like, you know, have several P2 in the Constructors' Championship at his stead with Red Bull. He'd be a multiple, maybe not a ch- world champion, but like a multiple, you know, race winner. So, and he, he was winning with races with, with Red Bull before he opted to go. Did he go to Renault and then McLaren? Eh. It's just been a lot with Daniel Ricciardo and this whole PR machine. I I do not get it. I feel like this was totally, totally uncalled for from from the former Alpha Tauri team. Um, Yuki did the work and he deserves some. Like I don't know. You, tr- but then now there was also another. Ev- I mean, it's just so ironic during some of the interview Daniel Ricciardo calling <laughs> Yuki Tsunoda immature. Oh my God! Like please you know like justice for yuki guys like yeah, i mean of course what the whole like debacle during the cooldown after the race ended i think this is some moment a lot of people missed so after the race ended um uh, apparently uh <laughs> yuki was so mad he almost you know drove into daniel ricardo i mean that okay that is unacceptable from yuki but it's totally like coming from somewhere this is someone who's feeling very um satisfied angry and it's justifiable anger disappointment with the team you know he was there was even apart from the shitty strategy there was also like now ricardo was on soft they were trying to catch magnuson to overtake him not even for points just for p12 so their team orders oh yuki you know you need to let ricardo through uh he it, first of all the call was i think a bit too late and then there was max coming from behind to lap the cars and then i actually so i also did hear like crafty and um martin brando was it like you know talk about the do we need blue flags in formula one really i don't think they, they don't exist in other motorsport like um series so why do we need blue flags in formula one because that also like affected the flow of so now since you know when Yuki let Ricardo through finally, and then Max was right behind Yuki. You have blue flags. You have to let the faster car through. There was, there was that whole battle. So they lost touch of Magnuson. That you know, Magnuson, Ricardo, and Yuki. Uh, it was like a whole circus from the as in even Ricardo didn't end up catching Magnuson. And they felt you know track position not just i mean it was not fighting for position but it's just track position is very important this season when at the end of the at the end of the season will be like saying oh they finished this part okay is there a movement from the team is there any improvement okay you know like the track position is really really important for them seeing as also it's a fast race you need to know how you you fare up so that you can know you know 
it's nice to know the order in which you stand, like compared to the rest of the grid. And you know, Formula One is an interesting sport in that, like, yeah, you're driving for yourself, but also you're driving in a team community where it's like two cars in the same team and you're all also working towards winning a constructors. Now the team's um, championship, but also there's the individual driver's championship. Like, it's always, it's just an, in that's like a very interesting detail I really like about Formula One. Um, so you, he didn't even end up catching Kevin Magnussen. So you'd think maybe now then switch back the cars because he's not getting any forward because Yuki wants to finish. You know, high up, he's, he's driven for it. Anyway, it was unfortunate. I really do not know what's going down there. I mean, everyone, as in it's, I would get why Yuki is, why are we not saying we're considering Yuki to go for a Red Bull seat? I mean, why... He's cleared, he's really calm and he's cleared the competition. Like he's, you know, you can only, in Formula One, the only way, the very good way of comparing like driver performances is against your teammate because ideally you have the same infrastructure around you. So the, that's like an interesting dynamic. I don't know why we're not considering Yuki um, for that second Red Bull seat because he, he we've seen him mature. I mean, he's going, he, he's, he's come from far, like, from giving us iconic lines like this is a fucking fucking is a fucking paradise yeah so i mean uh, that didn't make me happy to be honest and this whole um i don't know it's making me not li in like it's making me like daniel ricardo a little bit less so i i let's see how that you know shapes up Chico Perez um, finished finishing almost 20 over 20 seconds behind your teammate i don't know i mean it's good for him he seems to have started the the season nicely at least he always starts the seasons nicely so i hope this is performance that will translate all through the season so um but still that's a very big gap you know like you know against your teammates um i cannot comment about safety of about pit stops yet but i will so can we just also go i have really kept my opinions from this issue for so long but then now we've had just Verstappen. So we are all aware about like the earlier on in be, just before testing. In fact, um, we had some you know breaking breaking news. Apart from the Ferrari signing Lewis Hamilton story, we had the news that the Red Bull parent company, the one um, Red Bull, the one that's based in Austria, was investigating Christian Horner, who had Red Bull Racing for some harassment claims filed in by an employee. We have, you know, we were all sitting in limbo waiting what's happening. There was like an independence barrister who was carrying out the investigations. They came out and talked about, um, you know, they told us there's no statement. And then after a while, they came up and said the claims were dismissed after, you know, that whole thing. And now we've been, ex we've been exposed to some pathetic photo ops. Ugh, oh, my God. Seeing Jerry um and and christian Horner on the paddock we've never even seen them holding hands now they're desperately you know trying to sell it to a face but the thing is this is i think harassment issues you know people sometimes don't play the power dynamics i know sometimes they're like okay but your boss texted you why did you text back but try to be in that situation where this is someone who holds holds all the cards like they could decide you're out of out of employment and i don't think people understand how like especially coming from you know that whole power dynamic play where it's your senior who's you know coming towards you with all these advances and and especially since we've seen now there was all this evidence presented and they still like they still dismissed the claims 
So you can imagine the amount of stigma or like, you know, g- going towards this employee and everything. So we've actually seen um just this weekend just Verstappen come out and say that this whole situation could explode <laughs> for Red Bull and Christian Horner is not very good for management at, at Red Bull Racing. So I really do not know what's going on behind the scene, but like um, this is a very big precedent for how to on how to handle this, you know, the issues for Formula One as a whole going forward. I mean, I hope, um, I, w- I really do hope justice will be served at the end of the day that we will know that Formula One does not condone harassment against, you know, harassment of any kind, you know, so it's just an interesting dynamic to look at. And so Joseph Verstappen, I mean, of course, these are all photo of, you know, moments where they're trying to get everyone's eyes, like PR, like, yes, there's a spotlight. So Joseph Verstappen just met with Tito Wolf. <laughs> it's crazy, guys. Joseph Verstappen, by the way, is Verstappen's dad. A former, he's also like a former racing driver. So now Toto is being asked, oh, yeah, could, you know, um, <laughs> must stop and go to Mercedes. And now, I mean, of course, in the, this is something that will never happen. Like, I'm so sure. I cannot, like, how do you leave, like, a winning team and go to, like, you know, to Mercedes right now? <laughs> you understand? I don't think that's going to happen. But it's all for PR to get people talking. So, and, and, and Toto answered and said that, you know, it's, you know, I don't know, what did he say? Like, it's not off the table and, you know, um... It's, it wouldn't be a surprise. Of course, it would be a surprise for Max Verstappen to sign with Mercedes. So that's something to, like, really um, look at. Um, to Not to look at, but that's, like, a, an unfolding situation that's, yeah, that's looking very, very, very interesting to keep looking at. We'll keep you updated. Make sure you're following us on all our social media pages. Um, we'll, yeah, so to keep up with this, those stories coming from Formula One. So I think the other, I know at the beginning of this story, of this of this episode, I said Lewis Hamilton is moving like a man who's tendered in his resignation letter. It is true. He has been clowning this whole weekend, like clowning in a funny way. I'm telling you, he's been sending me. He's so funny. He's so unserious. So I think during when they do that whole drive, pre-race thing, they take the drivers around the track to say hi to the fans while asking them some questions. So um, Lawrence Barreto, the F1 presenter, I think he does a lot of work for F1 TV and everything. So he's like, you know, what do you think about this race and everything? And Lewis interrupts him and tells him like, oh, but I saw that you rated me so badly. So I think Lawrence had Lawrence Barreto. <laughs> I think he was so, oh my God, I think his face, I, his face, he must have been like, oh my God, yeah, you're really putting me on the spot here. I think he rated um, Lewis Hamilton so lowly, like, um, like a P7 finish for the driver's constructors. <laughs> but Lewis was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm joking. But he's been very, he's, he, he's asked, okay, what's the takeaway from this weekend? He's saying the car is reliable. That's all he can take from this weekend. <gasps> We're going to see more, I don't know, more, a lot of, I love this Lewis Hamilton. Like this unserious version of him is entertaining and so, yeah, so nice to watch. So I can't wait to see the amount of un- out-of-pocket things he will say and do. <laughs> because that might be the only source of like com- oh, entertainment from coming from Formula 1, seeing as Max Verstappen during the first race of the season, he's finished a whole pit stop ahead of his teammate. Wow. So we are really, we are really set up for a very, a very, 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 very long season for all of us. So that's all from me. You tell me, like, we have, like, a question. You can just comment wherever you, you, you list, from wherever you're listening this, from this podcast from. You tell me what was your favorite moment from the Bahrain GP. 
tea. And I hope to catch you next in after the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Thank you for tuning in and have a lovely evening, morning, rest of the week. Bye.